Hello and welcome to a very special edition of And On In Podcast. I'm Brian and this is going to be my personal origin story. And we're going to go deep. Going to drink deep. <laughs> uh, and it's going to get messy. It's going to get personal. It's going to be a lot about uh, what drew me to punk. Why? What drew me to Discord? What I got out of it? And eventually, uh, how this show happened, what it, what all this means to me, why am I doing this? Well, listen on and get ready to find out. So, I was 12 years old when I got into punk and started hearing hardcore bands, started even going to shows, playing music, all that, um, which seems impossibly young at this point, but... It was, if anything, it felt, you know, of the moment almost too late at the time. Uh, I was in Virginia Beach, and my mom worked for the government, so we ended up moving to D.C., to Northern Virginia, a suburb of D.C., and, you know, that's how it started. But, you know, before we uh, move on, let's go back first, go back to the... uh, very beginnings, back to the uh, psychological womb of my self-identity and uh, what what really, really drove this desire to find this subculture, to to find the world in a different way, to remake the world, to express honestly, authentically, to, you know, be uh, constructive rather than destructive, all these things. Uh, so I'm going to lay it all out right now. And, you know, it, we're not going to talk about bands for, for a little bit here. So, uh, you know, you can tune out if you want. But this is my story. So, like uh, most children that have a decent upbringing, when I was very young, I was wild, imaginative, full of curiosity and intense uh, desire to know life. I was buoyant. I was, you know, a little kid, like like all kids. Uh, just wide-eyed. Wide-eyed innocent boy, if you will. <laughs> um, then, uh, at the age of six, we're going to go deep here, I was sexually abused. <sighs> Repeatedly by... Uh, babysitter and as you can imagine you know no no child ever deserves to have anything like that happen to them and at such a uh, malleable age of course that uh, left scars left uh, broken shards in my in my psyche for quite a while uh, some are still stuck there, to be honest with you. But, you know, it's probably what drove me inward, made me more introverted, uh, non-trusting of authority, of alpha males, of, um, yeah, just, you know, adults in general. It, uh, it was a deep wound that 
took me a long time to really, really get a grasp on and left me feeling, uh, frankly, broken. So I didn't let people close to me for many years, many, many, many years, uh, many future partners, etc. It's, it's sad but true. But having said that, it uh, forced me to develop my imagination even even in a more more uh, deep sense. You know, I, for the first time, I started thinking about the meaning of life and the uh, ever-present proximity of death. I used to be afraid to go to sleep at nights because I was afraid I might die in my sleep and have never really lived, honestly. You know, that, that was almost every night for me as a child. I'd be so happy to be awake in the morning. So, yeah, you know, I held tight to close friends, didn't trust the mainstream or the expectations of my peers. It all seemed ridiculous. Um, And, you know, at this time, uh, around that time, I discovered music. Thank God I uh, would would really tune in when I heard the radio and the Beatles played, especially. But also bands like the Kinks, Rolling Stones, a lot of the 60s bands. I would run over to the speakers of our stereo with my little uh, portable tape deck and hit record and try to capture as much of this song I really loved as I could on my uh, tape deck. Of course, the beginning would be cut off and sometimes the station ID would cut off would, you know, come in at the end of the song. But, you know, uh, music spoke to me. It spoke to something in me that really uh, said way more than words could and was way, way closer to the bone, really. Uh, More soulful, actually. Um, So, you know, uh, my early years, it was mostly... Beatles. I like the Bee Gees. I eventually uh, discovered Kiss. Kiss were huge for any young kid in the 70s. I was no exception. I was obsessed with them. I had uh, all the records, all the posters. They would come with rub-off tattoos. Gene Simmons looked just, you know, like this archetypal demon. It was, it was, music was good too. It was rocking. Uh, so yeah, you know, that was my early years. And then, you know, as with many kids of my generation, around 10 years old, my parents divorced, uh, you know, and my dad tended to be kind of a, he could be a bully to my mom, to me. And that began, uh, you know, his slow moonwalk out of my life, really, from that point on. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I dealt with it in different ways. At age 10 or 11, I started uh, experimenting with drinking, smoking pot. Uh, a lot of my friends were just getting into skateboarding as well as punk rock. And that was huge. Both of those were such great releases, you know, and uh, just felt freeing, really. 
Um, so I had a good friend, Danny. He was kind of my John the Baptist who, in a, with a padlock around his neck, who turned me on to such things as West Coast hardcore and differentiated what what was real, like immediate, just in-your-face hardcore versus uh, a lot of the 70s punk rockers who already were seeming kind of uh, old and going for the... Uh, mainstream appeal, watering down their, their message, their, uh, immediacy, their, their bright light, really. Uh, so, you know, one day Danny showed up at my house and he had a guitar and he was all wide-eyed, manic, and plugged it straight into my stereo speakers, I mean, to my stereo receiver, and just started banging out these bar chords on it. And that was a lightning bolt moment for me. It's like, holy shit, he can do that? Jesus Christ, I have got to get an instrument. So between saving up money and the goodwill uh, of my mom, uh, we got me a uh, cheap bass and a practice amp. And holy God, I never looked back after that. Um, Yeah, it was truly that that important of a moment you know i i can't even tell you how that offhand moment just changed everything for me it was so empowering um you know if he could do that i could so you know there i was with the bass just just you know, so into this music, so into this expression that anyone could do, that encouraged anyone to do it, that didn't matter what you sounded like, how good you were. That was part of the magic, was the individuality, the uh, encouragement, the acceptance, all that, you know. So around this time, I saw my first hardcore show. It was a matinee in Virginia Beach, and uh, it was the faction with Honor Roll and White Cross. The faction ended up canceling, which I was bummed about. I had just got their 7-inch. But, you know, oh, it didn't matter. I was so hooked. Honor Roll were, like, strange and just magically intense. White Cross were, like, uh, just pure undiluted anger it was it was a great show um the power of such immediate expression the intensity it was all just so thoroughly intoxicating for me i had to have more of this stuff uh so you know uh as with many kids in the early 80s i was just as gung-ho about skateboarding it, it it kind of, you know, I thought of the two synonymously because they both were such uh, extreme, high-intensity things, really. Uh, activities, uh, lifestyles. So, believe it or not, in the early 80s, skateboarding was completely underground. Not many uh, 
not many people did it. There was no X Games. It was more these uh, X surfers and these adrenaline junkies. Really, it was it was a whole different scene, and you know, a lot of the, a lot of that. You know, there's always a boombox with a mixtape of the newest hardcore seven inches or LPs on it playing when you skated those half pipes, skated the pools, etc. And so was it one of these uh one of these times skateboarding when I was at Mount Trashmore, which uh yeah, as the name implies, was a uh park that got made in Virginia Beach over top of a a dump, basically, a trash dump. <laughs> they put earth over it and it became a park. It it was uh it's kinda beautiful when you think about it, but it's strange. And they had a new skate park there. I was there uh checking it out and skating around when this kid in a punk shirt and uh flannel shirt tied around his waist came up and, and started a conversation with me. We started talking about what bands we're into, all that sort of thing. And uh, he went on a rant about Straight Edge and how much he hated it. And it was so lame. And at this point, I was just kind of hearing the words before, but didn't know what, what that meant even really. I had an idea, but didn't really know. And so anyway, he was trying to unload these records of these lame, in his words, Straight Edge bands, uh, which this this is another one of those moments that utterly changed the course of my life. Uh, so what transpired ended up transpiring that day was I traded it, traded him my f- fear of the LP. I think Dead Kennedys, uh, God might have been the Nazi punks fuck off seven inch, and uh, Bad Religion into the unknown for uh, SST, SSD. Uh, get it away, and flex your head, and Jesus Christ, those records were huge for me, that SSD was just so unbridled, like, so much, so big sounding, so in your face, so, like, just the photos on it, everything about it, the message, it was, it was just huge for me, and it was so cool to hear people, uh, sing so with such conviction about you know living this very alert ready for anything life without the need to escape through you know intoxicants of any kind that kind of thing it was a brand new message i'd never heard before and you know when you hear it with that kind of delivery it was truly life-changing um and flex your head there you go uh what can i say about that it was like entering an alternate parallel universe really a better universe a universe I wanted to live in one where you know obviously these bands were celebrating being young they were not taking shit they were defining what they wanted to be what kind of life they wanted to live and they were just basically saying fuck you to to these systems and controlling elements in their lives and creating something of their own that 
that was so big to me. And, you know, I could go into the bands, which we will, we'll touch on that when we get to that episode. But, you know, what can I say about Void, Minor Threat, uh, the Untouchable songs? Like, so much of that record is like, it's primal. It, it's it's pretty raw, but it's it just encompasses so much. Such a great, uh, still great record. So, you know, that... That was a beginning for me with Discord. And lo and behold, uh, not even just, it had to be just a couple few months after that, I find out that my mom is uh, moving me and her to uh, Northern Virginia, to Burke, Virginia, right outside of D.C. And it ended up being one of the greatest things in my experiences for me in my life, most transformative and it didn't start that way. At first, I was just rebelling as hard as I could because my first girlfriend lived in Virginia Beach. I, you know, how how dare she separate me from my friends and my girlfriend? Yeah, no, uh, the, the trials and travails of of uh, barely pubescent kids. But uh, anyhow, the first day that we moved to D.C., swear to God, I looked in the uh, I don't know if it was the local paper or what, like the city paper kind of thing, but uh, I see, oh my God, uh, this weekend, Minor Threat's playing what turns out to be their last show. But uh, I begged my mom to take me to the show in the city and no can do. You know, she was like, no, you know, you're 13 years old. I'm not taking you to this bad part of town in D.C. when we just moved here, yada, yada. Um, the irony is that just a few months later, I was going to shows anyway. <laughs> um, you know, Void being my first show, and and Jesus Christ, what a way to rip, rip one's head off and experience the hardcore scene. They were uh, as explosive and just uh like i don't know there's no words it was totally mind-blowing how good they were and i think that was a show with the circle jerks i could be wrong but which they were good but all i could remember is void and yeah that was the beginning of my dc experience and from there, I met met some like-minded people at my uh, high school. Started playing music. I uh, had the good fortune to play shows with all these iconic bands from the '80s in DC, as well as uh, put on shows in our hometown of Burke and helped start uh, Positive Force with Mark Anderson in the very, like, ground floor days, and, uh, you know, did a zine for a while that got to, got to interview all these bands. It was, it was a time that, uh, shaped my entire existence, and there's ri still ripples from, uh, what that did to my psyche, what it meant to my psyche, what it showed as possibility in my psyche, 
uh, today and the healing that it brought, the ability to go to those scary places, those uncomfortable emotions, to own them, to uh, transform them, to express them, but also make yourself a more empathetic and uh, more caring human being through the process to, uh, you know, try to make this world a better world for the next generation. You know, I, all that is like, I, I got out of being in that DC scene. You know, there were some other influences too, of course, not just that, but, you know, it was huge. You know, the first time I was, I had to be about 14 years old, uh, go, going and interviewing Ian MacKay, and uh, took a took public transportation to get down to the Discord house. You know, and he was so hospitable, talked to me, not like a kid, talked to me as a equal, showed me around. Discord was very generous with his time. I think fed me. And then uh, when he heard I took public transportation, drove me all the way back to my house, which oh, blew my mind, you know. Uh, and I, I'm not going to lie, like I was I was hoping like somehow some of, you know, any of my punk friends like would be on the street and see Ian Mackay driving me home, which didn't happen, which that's fine. It was just, it was, you know, it those those kind of gestures like, that kind of down-to-earthness and uh, authenticity just made an indelible mark on me. Um, much less talking about how how much amazing, amazing music is made there in that town and the surrounding areas. So, yeah, thanks for giving me some time to talk about this. Uh, we'll see you on the other side. Probably not going to be as interesting, but it's a story to tell nonetheless. Um, and it'll give you some insight into, you know, the kind of people we are to decide if you guys like us or not. <laughs> so, uh, my name's Aldred. I was born in Staten Island, New York, but uh, at the age of seven, I uh, moved to Las Vegas, Nevada. Got asthma. So, you know. It wasn't the ideal place to be. 
Uh, my parents are Filipino, uh, which, you know, kind of led to me not really knowing how to interact with other people super well. It was a awkward time growing up and um, it kind of shaped me into a, into who I am today. I'm still really horrible at uh, talking to people. Well, I, in my opinion, I think um, I overthink things. I stammer. I feel awkward. I don't know if I am. You know, I'm very um, quirky. Just kidding. Um, it's just made things difficult uh, growing up. Um, but you know, uh, like most, like, like most nerds, cause I kind of ended up becoming a nerd in some weird way. Um, I picked up interests like movies and games and, um, a lot of niche media, you know, um, as a kid, I wanted to become a film director, but kind of dropped it. Honestly, uh, it, it's a hard hobby filming stuff and doing all that but eventually I did get into music you know um around my sophomore year I started listening to uh bands like you know the Beatles and Coldplay and Oasis and all those bands and uh you know not the greatest first bands to get into the Beatles of course but you know it, it was a starting point for me like I got more into the fandom of it um it was just really easy, accessible music that, you know, I still sometimes listen to. At least for Beatles and Oasis, I still listen to them a ton. <laughs> but, um, you know, fast forward to my senior year, I meet uh, Brian's son, Ethan. Now, uh, Ethan is a whole lot like Brian in many ways. Like, they're both really eccentric, and they are both artistic types. They listen to a boatload of just different genres and music and they're into like pretty much everything it's insane even to this day they they're still learning and listening to a whole lot of stuff you know uh and through them i i you know i learned a whole lot about music you know i listen to pretty much uh everything i can and i try to be as open-minded as i can and that's what they taught me you know that's what like being ethan's friend even though I was a senior and he was and he was a junior, like he taught me a whole shit ton about music and indie music, you know, and through him, I was able to, you know, really build my tastes and I would never give that up for the world. But, um, you know, becoming Ethan's friend, um, it actually introduced me to, uh, as, as for as for mentioned <laughs> or aforementioned, I met a uh, Brian, and uh, his uh, wife at the time, Stephanie. Um, they are super, super important people in my life. Like, you know, I I love them so much. And you know, uh, I I can't even be like. It's really hard to uh, not feel real about that. Like, they really matter a lot to me. Um, and uh, those days growing up with them uh, was you know, really formative and it really meant a whole lot to me, you know, like, uh, I really do see Brian as a father figure. And, uh, the thing is like my life growing up, it wasn't, you know, I, I, I wasn't like abused or anything like that. It was just empty, you know, like, uh, I couldn't really communicate with my, uh, parents, uh, the way that I wanted to, or felt like, 
I could, you know, like I feel like they didn't listen to me, you know, and uh, that still carries on to this day. Like I legitimately feel like, like they care for me, but they don't really care about like the kind of person that I want to be, you know, which is hurtful. Oh, not hurtful, but there's not much you could do about it, you know? Um, but hanging out with Brian and, and his, uh, wife at the time, Stephanie, like they were really, really important as to teaching me or showing me that like I could have my own artistic interests and like talk about music and, you know, like hanging out with them. I wrote like my first couple songs during those years and I was able to show, Brian and his wife and um they really like uh garnered something really uh special you know like they really cared about my art you know uh after my uh senior year you know like I would go on to college but not really care about college I'd be really really still into music um I would start up my first couple bands so uh, my first one was Special K, and then eventually Homebodies, which is my band now. And, um, you know, I would just, you know, still super into music. I'm learning new things every day. I'm listening to as many bands as I could. Um, the bands I'm, like, more into now um, has... it. It's pretty much just uh, 60s and 70s pop and rock music. Um, and there's still a whole ton of stuff that I haven't heard, which obviously listening to this podcast you're going to learn i haven't heard a whole lot of essential stuff but there's a whole lot of like you know um off kilter stuff i have heard you know i saw my favorite bands um what was it i I love guided by voices teenage fan club uh the who small faces um cleaners from venus you know, just a lot of uh, poppy, lo-fi um, rock music. Um, you know, I'm like really into R&B and soul as well. Like obviously like Motown and Stax and, um, you know, really, really, really into Alex Chilton. So pretty much just in the uh, confines of pop. I love pop music. Uh, so that's where... Uh, this uh, podcast comes in. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I like and love, especially things that influence my band, um, are influenced by punk music, you know, like Stephen Malcolm's from Pavement was in a punk band. Um, Doug Marsh from Built to Spill played in punk bands. Uh, Jay Maskus was in... Uh, what was that band? Deep Wound, you know? Like, everything I like is just steeped in just deep punk history and is, in some shape or form, influenced by punk. But I just never got into it, you know? I mean, I've made friends over the years that were super into hardcore punk and then even straight uh, straight edge punk. But uh, I it never really appealed to me until... Uh, but. The thing is, like, talking and uh, growing up with Brian, he was, like, always into, like, the ethos of punk and straight edge, and he still carries on some of those things to this day. 
Um, but you know, he would always talk about like Minor Threat and Fugazi and Discord Records and Right to Spring, and uh, I just you know, at the time it just didn't really appeal to me. But uh, you know, like one day just approaches me about this podcast idea and um i figure i'll give it a shot uh, i would love to get into a brand new genre so for whoever's listening to this um i know nothing about hardcore punk and i barely know anything about punk music you know like uh my favorite punk band is the ramones <laughs> you know which is almost like a girl group cover band uh if you look at them historically. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's generally why I'm doing this uh, to learn about punk. I am in no way a historian or claim to know anything about punk music. I'm the last person to talk to about any of that. You could ask me about, you know, sixties rock or eighties, music or whatever um but when it comes to punk i know nothing um so if anything this is more of a uh journey through the uh discography and just kind of hoping that i learned something at the end of this